Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our online service today. We're so glad that you could join with us. My name is Stephanie, and I'm the Ministry and Operations Administrator here at Regeneration. This has been a sobering past week, a week of reckoning, grief and pain over the death and murder of George Floyd, following Ahmed Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and the countless names before. Our country has a history and legacy built on sin, oppression, brutality, injustice, and racism. Our Savior Jesus lived in similar times and died a similar death, seized by Roman authorities, an unresisting, innocent man that was brutalized and nailed to a cross to die. His death was for us, to break down the walls of sin and to make all things right with God. As his disciples were called to live out making things right in our world, we live his kingdom out on earth till he returns and makes everything entirely whole, healed, and new. Our hope as followers of Jesus is to take this saving gospel and let it be our fuel for doing good, whether it's peaceful demonstrations, advocating for reform in our law enforcement and justice system, helping business owners rebuild their shops, or coming with a humble heart to listen and understand. From our study in 1 John, these verses from 1 John 3, 16 through 18. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. There's so much to do, let us not become weary in doing good. Before we head into our sermon, we have a special clip to share with you about Cross Streets, our homeless outreach during the time of coronavirus. Good morning, Regeneration Church. Uh, Billy and Dave here. Um, we're at the McDonald's drive-in. We've been coming here the last five weeks. I think so. Since yeah, the Sunday. lockdown has started and we've just made sure that we continue to serve uh, our homeless friends and make sure they know that we haven't forgotten. We've been able to uh, open up the gym because we can't have anybody congregating. So what we've been doing is getting breakfast burritos from McDonald's and giving it uh, a way to go. This is only hot sauce, okay? Thank you. It's okay, whatever, do our form number. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, um... Stay tuned. Right, so, Mike, how have things been for you during this time with the coronavirus? My, uh, getting access to any service has been cut at least in half. Uh, most of the uh, food banks I go to are not closed. Most of the churches that I supplement my uh, income and food uh, uh, source from are, 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 are dried up. Uh, only place now is here at the uh, New Generation Church. They do provide us a breakfast. So at least you can get a breakfast every Sunday morning. It's been kind of scary, especially vulnerable public like the homeless, to make sure it don't spread. But other than that, you know, uh, it's been kind of hard giving food, uh, water, going out and communicating with other people because, you know, you don't know if you're going to catch it. Bradford and Dave, do you want to share some of your experience with uh, serving the homeless lately during the time of the coronavirus? Breakfast burritos from McDonald's, pass that out, and most importantly, share the word. Hearing about 
how this is impacting their lives and their challenges and praying for them and sharing the word I think is the most important thing about the ministry. Yeah, and uh, just seeing God's power move, really, you know, because God's, you know, not stagnant right now. He's still moving in our lives. We have opportunities to pray with people and you can see them really being transformed by God's presence, even though they're uh, we're not you know, having the word spoken to them as far as a message, but we're still getting God's word inside of them. They're still getting food inside of them. And they're still knowing that we care and that we love them. And that's the huge, that's the biggest thing right now, that they know that God's love, Jesus' love right now, is still surrounding them. That God will help them out of their situation, get them back on their feet, get them back in the reconciliation with the Lord and with the, uh, their community, and uh, get them where they need to be, you know, which is... Uh, off the streets and in a nice stable home. So God's still moving, that's the key. Stay together until it's over with. Ride the storm out, they say. Hello, Regeneration. Uh, as promised several weeks ago, we wanted to give you an update on how we're serving our homeless community uh, during this pandemic. Uh, so many services to the homeless community have been put on hold and they need us more than they ever have. I want to thank Cross Streets and all the people serving on that team for your continued service on Sunday mornings uh, to serve breakfast, as well as your encampment visits. And thank you to our church, all of you who have continued your prayers for us and serving in various ministries and your generosity so we can continue serving those in greatest need. This has been a really sad and heavy time for us. With all that is happening to our community with the shelter in place where people can't get the help that they need and with all the systemic injustice happening in our country, it's a time when we continue to grieve and mourn today. I've been receiving generous and gracious coaching from black Christian leaders during this time. And something I've been encouraged to do is to listen. I've taken their advice, so I've purposely held back saying anything until this week so that I can listen. And the truth is I have a lot more listening to do. I don't want to say too much to honor the wise counsel that they've given me. And more than anything, I'd like us to sit in the pain of our community for a while. The lives lost of George Floyd, Maud Arbery, what happened to Christian Cooper while bird watching in Central Park. All of this is unfortunately not anything new. It was just recorded. But how many times through the centuries have injustices like these happened to our brothers and sisters of color without ever being recorded? Speaking of sister, I, I do need to mention Breonna Taylor, who would have turned 27 on Friday. And I point her out because I think the injustice that happened to her is not being mentioned as much as others, and she needs to be remembered. How frustrating it must be because injustices like these have been happening for a long time, but we just haven't seen it so overtly until having recording capabilities so readily available to us. But this is very far from a new conversation. 
before we speak out against injustice, and I hope that all of us will, let's pause for a moment and let's listen. We're also far apart from one another right now and we're having church virtually, so let's just imagine that we are physically together and we're sitting together in sackcloth and in ash. Let's purposely not feel comfortable for a moment. And let's feel the heaviness and, and be in our community's pain together for a moment. I realize some of us may feel distant from the pain, but know that the pain is indeed there and that we need you to be in the pain with us. So please draw closer and extend empathy. And others of us may feel a little bit closer to the pain and we acknowledge that it, it might not get better anytime soon, but let's be together in the sadness and in the lament. And let's not rush into anything right now. There's so much feeling and emotions of anger, frustration, rage, sadness, impatience, pain, suffering, fear. So let's be together with these feelings and these emotions. And while we sit together, let me read the Beatitudes for us and let's listen. Let's listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 11. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Let's continue to sit with those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those persecuted for righteousness' sake, those reviled, persecuted, and utter all kinds of evil against them falsely. We sit with them. We listen. COVID-19 isn't the only virus that threatens us. There's been a virus 
that we haven't had a vaccine for since the beginning of humanity. And the only cure for it is repentance. We need to hear from the Spirit of God and not the other spirits that lead us astray, which we'll, we will be looking at in 1 John chapter 4 today. But before we get into that, we can't sit together and ignore what's happening. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul wrote this in verses 17 and 18. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you because... When you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. Firstly, we need to be united as a church. And so I am pleading with you that we don't get into political rhetoric or political thought right now. Because I don't think there are politics when we are extending empathy and kindness to those who mourn. To acknowledge people like Breonna Taylor are made in the image of God and how she died this unjust death. There's something disturbing when so many churches were outraged that they couldn't meet because of the shelter in place. And I, I think that the outrage was good. It's what brings about change. My question is, has that same outrage been expressed when someone made in the image of God, like George Floyd, was pinned to the ground with a knee to the back of his neck? A lot of protest because the church wasn't allowed to open, but have those same churches protested for injustice. I am not against police. Being in ministry in Oakland for over 20 years, I've personally needed their help, and so has the church. They have come to our rescue many, many times. I have cousins, I have many friends who are police officers, but it's obvious that we need reform in policing. My friends that I've spoken with that are in OPD and other law enforcement agencies agree. There are reforms that need to be made and current policing is not perfect. I encourage to petition, to protest, to vote for action, for the right for people to sleep in their bed, in their homes, and not be shot. For the right to birdwatch in a public park and not be threatened with accusations because of the color of your skin. If you feel your First Amendment rights are violated, by all means, protest, and many have. But what is being done when others' rights are violated? Injustice is all of our burdens to bear, and so how are we upholding that? The black Christian brothers and sisters I've spoken with don't want us to feel sorry for them. They want sin to be repented of. They don't want you and I to reach a point of simply not being a racist. They need us to be anti-racist. And 
I think it's biblical, isn't it? Because we're not here just for our own sin and that we just say, you know, I've taken care of my own sin, therefore, you know, I'm good and I can just kind of go my merry way. That is not our mission. We know that the wages of sin is death, so we save people's everlasting lives by sharing the good news. We are not just simply indifferent to sin, we are anti-sin. So when we see brothers and sisters hurting because of injustice, let's do something. Not just talk, not just think. We've been looking at 1 John chapter 3 for the past several weeks, and in verse 12, John instructs us not to be like Cain. And in looking at the story of Cain and Abel back in Genesis chapter 4, God has a very, very important question that he asks, and he asks this, where is Abel your brother? This is the question we need to ask and that we need to act upon. Where is your brother? Where is our brother? In 1 John chapter 3, so much shared with us about practicing sin and how that is deceiving ourselves, to abide in God, to practice righteousness, to love one another. Where is our brother? Where is our sister? We need to know so that we can stop sinning, practice righteousness, and love sacrificially. 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. The instructions from chapter 3 then conclude with the Holy Spirit's ministry in which the Spirit confirms the true presence of Christian faith in one's life. And chapter 3 concludes with verses 23 and 24. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Just as he has commanded us, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. This leads us to another question in 1 John chapter 4 regarding those who claim to believe in the Spirit. And if there is a claim to believe the Spirit of God, how do we test if it is truly the Spirit of God or whether it is a false spirit? And we so need this discernment today when we're hit with so many things from the media, from other people, from circumstances. And this is the first thing that John warns us about in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God or for many false prophets have gone out into the world. And John often writes like this, right? He, he often starts with the negative, right? Do not believe every spirit before moving to the positive in testing the spirits. Do not believe and test, which essentially mean we don't always know. That it's okay for a Christian to say, I don't know. I, I need to figure this out. I need to question. I need to listen. I need to sit with this. It's okay for Christians to say, I'm not sure. We have to test, especially when it comes to spiritual things. Spiritual maturity isn't always knowing what you believe. It's also knowing what you don't believe. We believe in justice. We don't believe in racism. 
But how do we come to terms with 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, when Paul writes, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Well, Paul isn't saying to just you know, chuck discernment out of the door. Actually, that's what John is encouraging us to do. To differentiate what is God and what isn't of God. To not just believe everything that we hear so that we just become gullible people of information. But also not to disbelieve everything so that we're so overly suspicious that everything that we hear, we don't believe anything. And just because something is attributed to God doesn't mean that the Spirit of God is in it. When John talks about Spirit in verse 1, he's writing of spiritual words coming from people that are attributed to God. So just because something may sound good and look good, we still need to test it. Don't believe every spirit. Test them. We need to practice spiritual discernment, examining them through the lens of the scriptures to practice discernment every day, which is something we do. When you evaluate what you're going to eat, what we say, what we do, all these things that are based off of discernment, there is either a benefit or a detriment to these decisions and choices that we make. We live in an age of relativism. It's challenging to believe that there are things that are always false and things that are always true. But there are things that are this way. Injustice is always false. Justice, righteousness is always true. Christian faith and love, they need discernment and it believes that injustice is false and that justice is true. Why does John warn us of this? Because the people of God have always had others who want to lead them astray. And the evil one always distorts the truth. Turn back to Genesis chapter 3, starting uh, in verse 1, but we're going to skip around. Verses 1 through 4 first. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord has, God has made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Skip down to verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? This is another important question coming out of Genesis from God for us today. Where are you? Where are we with the injustices that our city, our country is experiencing today? And then right after this Genesis 3 chapter, in Genesis 4, in verses 9 through 10, this is the Cain and Abel story. And God continues to ask these very, very pointed questions. Where is your brother and what have you done? Very, very pointed questions for us to answer from the Lord with all of the grief, pain, suffering, anger, injustice happening today. Where are you? Where is your brother? 
what have you done? Questions for us to take away with us today and to be really honest about. Back to Genesis, verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? What have you done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. Let's not be deceived by our pride, our politics. Let's test what is being said. Please test what I say. Test yourself and what you say and what you think and what you do and what you don't do. Back to 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is the answer from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. In John's day, he was addressing the Gnostics. The disciples, the apostles of Jesus Christ are spreading the gospel of Christ throughout the known world, proclaiming that there is salvation in no one else but Jesus Christ. But the evil one isn't just going to sit there and listen to this. He's also not going to go head-to-head with the gospel because that would be too obvious to fight against. The devil actually encourages people to believe in Jesus Christ, but to also believe in other things. Believe Jesus to be this much of something, but not the whole thing. You know, when people make fake IDs, they don't make something completely different. They make something that is very similar to the real thing. They make it resemble the real thing. And there are slight differences, but there is a fake and then there's the real ID. And it's the same strategy as the evil one. Take a look at Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Jesus said, enter the narrow gate. The wide gate is the one that leads to destruction. But the thing is, they're both gates. One isn't a gate and the other one isn't like a cave. He said there are false prophets that are ready to fool you. What they seem to be on the outside, it looks all the same. The difference is who they are on the inside. And Jesus also said there are good fruits and there are bad fruits. But the thing is, they're both fruits. It's, it's not like one's an egg and the other one's a fruit. The real thing and the false thing are very similar things. Don't be fooled with what's happening around us. This is a spiritual fight. And there are still two gates. 
Two types of prophets. Two types of fruit. And we need to discern because the difference between the true and the false are very slight. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 28, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples from them. Many people who have faithfully followed Jesus Christ have been pulled in all different directions. And how badly we need your prayers for the leadership of our church. That we remain true to the word of God and not be pulled away. That we need to stay on alert. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, going into chapter 2. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. There will be false teachers among the church. Jesus, Paul, John, Peter, they're saying the same thing. We need to be alert and we cannot be misled. 1 John chapter 4, verse 3, This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. The spirit of the Antichrist is already here. And you and I, we all know this. We know this already. Just look at all the injustice that is around us. It is obvious It is here already. The spirit of the Antichrist is here. And if we aren't discerning between what is narrow and what is wide, what is true and what is false, what is good and what is bad, we are in so much more trouble than we already are with this pandemic and the injustice that we're seeing all over the nation. The spirit of the Antichrist is already here. How can we tell the difference between that which is of the Spirit of God, and that which is of the Spirit of the Antichrist. Look back to verses 2 and 3. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. The person of Jesus is the incarnate God. And this is key in discerning between that which is of the Spirit of God and that which is not. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now back in John's day, this is what the Gnostics rejected. They rejected that Jesus Christ was fully divine. And by definition, that is anti-Christ. 
the biblically fundamental Christian doctrine that can never, never be conceded is that Jesus Christ is eternal, fully human, fully divine, the Son of God. If there is any teaching that Jesus never was, namely that he was created and not creator, then that is of the spirit of the Antichrist. Every prophet has a spirit to share these things. And so it's either from the spirit of God or the spirit of Antichrist. One of the tests to see what comes out of their mouths, the other test is to see what their character is. So what they say, and then a test of their character. Verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. How have you and I overcome them, overcome the spirit of the Antichrist? How did the believers in John's day show that they overcame the spirit of the Antichrist? Well, they were still walking with God. And they didn't go with the Gnostics. So, are you with the Spirit of God now? Or have you gone the way of Gnostics, the Spirit of the Antichrist? Chances are, if you're listening to this, you're likely with the Spirit of God. The evidence you have overcome that is that the Spirit of God keeps you a believer. Even when all this uncertainty is happening around us, even when we stumble because of different sins that we struggle with and struggle with the things that we just can't understand, like what's going on in our world right now, but still you're with God. You're with God right now, even through all of this. Then you are from God. By the grace of God, have you and I overcome. God sustains us. And as others lose faith, we, we help them as God sustains us. God who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We're experiencing incredible darkness right now. But in this darkness, God is in us. And he is greater than the Antichrist and the darkness that that Antichrist brings. Do you sense his presence? Do you hear his voice? Can you hear him? Jesus said in John chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. If you belong to Jesus, you'll follow Jesus. You won't follow a stranger. Not only will you not follow, you will flee from the stranger. I mean, isn't this what we teach our children? Right? Follow me, but if a stranger calls you over, run, run the other way. Don't talk to that person. Those who follow Jesus recognize his voice. And we don't follow a stranger's voice. We don't follow strangers. We rely on the Bible, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God for discernment. Verse 5, they are from the world. 
Therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. False teachers speak from the world. The world listens to them. They tell the world what the world wants to hear. If we tell people what they want to hear, a lot of people will listen to us. And this is what the political world does all the time. They tell their respective constituents what they want to hear. They just tell them what they want to hear. If you've been in our church for any significant period of time, you know our biblical messages are not all that common in the Bay Area. And they are not what people want to hear. You think people in the Bay Area want to hear about sin? And yet what have we been talking about in 1 John for several weeks now? And it's probably why this is your church. That we go through the scriptures, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, which is so challenging because you can't dodge anything. Eventually you get to everything. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. He didn't say, tickle my sheep. Entertain my sheep. We've gotten through 25 books of the Bible so far. Just 41 more to go. Hoping to get through the 28th by next year. But regeneration, our church was built upon the word of God. And we can't dilute the good news of Jesus Christ. We can't compromise on sin. We need to live righteously, not practice sin, and love each other. We need to act upon injustice and love people. We know that everyone gets judged. We're all responsible for our sins. It's sad that many have rejected God's gift of grace in Jesus to cleanse them of their sins. For the Spirit of God to be in us, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. It's so obvious people are not all right. That the world is not all right. We can all see it very clearly right now. It is so evident. Things are not right. We need to submit our lives to Jesus Christ. But so many people are opposed to this. And rather than an allegiance to Jesus Christ, they want to declare their loyalty to something else, whatever that is. So then Jesus just then becomes an example, but he doesn't become our Lord. Or people want God to answer their prayers like he's a genie as they make their wishes, but they... They don't want him as an all-loving father who actually knows everything. We've become people so consumed with today that we forget eternity. Of course, today is all important. It's, what, it's all we have right now. But isn't the big part of shaping today so that we can have a more just tomorrow? And isn't tomorrow supposed to outlive us so that our future generations can have a more just tomorrow? This is precisely what Jesus Christ offers. An everlasting life of justice. An eternity of just tomorrows. The purpose of the church is not to offer wisdom to the world. Christ is our wisdom. The world listens to the worldly wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 18. 
For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of the world, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. People will not see a need for Christ crucified if they don't understand their sin and realize only Jesus Christ takes that sin upon himself on the cross. There's no need to talk about Jesus on the cross if there is no talk about sin. This is what a good number of black Christian leaders I've spoken with want. Of course they want an end to racism. All of us do. But there will always be another sin lying in wait. Christ is our only answer to deal with sin, to deal with injustice. 1 John chapter 4, verse 5. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. What do we think will happen when we present our message to Christ to the world? They won't listen because it's not worldly wisdom. They listen to the world. So there's no use in Christianizing politics. That's, that's not our mission. Our message isn't to be politicized. We are to be busy with preaching the gospel to deal with sin, which separates people from God. God is love, and he's against injustice. Verse 6, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. It's as simple as God's people listen to God's message. His sheep recognize his voice. It's so important for us to know the word of God because it helps us to discern what is of God and what isn't of God. We can always examine the scriptures to see if what was said is true. Please test everything you hear. Test it. We need to stay true from what we heard from the beginning. That God's message doesn't change. 2 Timothy chapter 3 starting in verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." This is directed directly to Timothy, so he's, he's speaking of Timothy's upbringing with his grandmother and mother. Now, verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every 
good work. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that your church has heard truth that your church would test the spirits. I pray, Lord, that as we sit with those who mourn, with those who are grieving, angry, frustrated, fearful, outraged, that we wouldn't judge them for those things, that we are available to them, that we are listening, that we are sitting with them that we are ministering to them and loving them through the suffering and the pain. May we hear from you as to when to speak, when to take action. May we be able to discern between what is of the Spirit of God and what isn't of the Spirit of God. May you speak clearly as we recognize your voice. God, we are so broken. It is obvious what we've been experiencing in our world for a very long time. This is not anything new. And, and yet we seem to be going further and further from you. I pray, Lord, for your swift return because that's our only hope. Lord, may you equip your church to save the world. May you give us courage, boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take communion together. You know, as we reflect upon our, ourselves and see whether we are consistent with Christ, when God asks us, where are you? And where's your brother? What have you done? Let's go to Jesus now with our answers. Let's see where we are inconsistent. And as you hold that cracker or bread or whatever you have symbolizing the broken body of Christ for you, that he has atoned for your sins. That if you don't give a good answer when he says, where are, or ask, where are you? Or when he asks, where's your brother or sister? Or when he asks, what have you done? Take this time to repent. Take this time to draw closer to the Lord as this rich symbol of taking this within us that he's with us, he's in us. So when you're ready, let's take this. As we continue to sit with those who mourn, continuing to ask these questions of ourselves,
And we have the fruit of the vine symbolizing the blood of Christ spilled for us. Knowing that the presence of the Lord is with us. That he gave of himself sacrificially to love us. And now we have the privilege of his presence to be able to hear his voice. Let's take this in remembrance of Jesus Christ and what he's done and the promise he has made to return for us. Lord, thank you so much for these loving symbols that we are to take regularly. Thank you so much that you give us this very tangible sacrament to bring us back to, to remind us of where we are, that we have communion with you, that we have communion with each other as a church, that you are concerned with others, that you are concerned because you ask, where are you? And you ask us, where is your brother? Where is your sister? And you ask us, what have you done? Lord, may we reflect upon this and be honest and wherever we need to, to repent of it. In Jesus' name, amen.